fun stuff. All right, let's uh, hit on the intro thing and then roll into the, the news and stuff. Sounds good. So, hey everyone, happy Friday. Officially, welcome to the Digital Catch Rundown. This is episode 148. 148 weeks is a lot of weeks. Um, I'm joined by the one and only Risen, Mark Risen Hopkins. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. How about you? It's pretty good. Saw you already had some showtime earlier today, so hopefully that uh, that warmed you up rather than spending all the all the insight where you now uh, have no more. I had a. Uh, it's I, I consumed it all. I had a giant Starbucks triple venti. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I I have got enough energy for at least another show or two. Yeah, that's for sure. I just um, got my own double shot here, but. Um, as I have told a few people, I don't know who, can't remember, but the coffee shop local to me has this item called the Screamin' Demon, which is a four shots of espresso over concentrated cold brew, and it comes in this like glass tiki like mug like that, and so I have had that a few times, and it has given me mild hallucinations. So if you <laughs> if you need just where you start to like. You know, kind of like when you stare into the sun too quickly and turn away, you're just like, right? Yeah, you get a little tracers going, going on. Yeah, so I haven't had that in a while. I haven't needed to. I'm a little bit more uh, regulated, relegated, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so we're gonna have a fun show. Let's um before we jump into everything, um, I did. I gotta do the the coin ETM radar thing because they quite generously hit me up out of the out of the blue last year and we're like hey can we throw you a bag we're probably not going to get any roi on it but we like your ethos and i'm like all right well if you're you do me that favor i do you that favor and for the first time ever i've actually gotten the read out of the email the where we discussed it and it's actually on a separate thing so i'm actually prepared this time great <laughs> so uh, this this podcast is sponsored by coin etm radar when buying crypto with cash, an ATM is much more reliable and safer than meeting some random person in a random place. And um, it's kind of ominous that I'm talking to you, <laughs> Mark, about this at this point, because, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and unlike an exchange which could freeze your account, you truly own all the crypto you buy. With Coin ATM Radar, you can find crypto ATMs and other services where you can buy or sell cryptocurrencies for cash. On their website, you can search by coin, address, if the ATM supports selling as well as buying. And you can also search by geo area, like country, state, city, etc. You can also check and compare actual current fees from different ATMs. To find out more, go to coinatmradar.com or C-O-I-N-A-T-M-R-A-D-A-R.com. Unless I put an extra A in there accidentally. But yeah, so definitely... Um, it is kind of funny, the, the small tangent thing is a, a lot of people, especially with this whole Monero delisting thing we're right about to talk about, have been saying like, no, we don't need exchanges anyway, just buy peer-to-peer, whatever. that's just the way to go. And philosophically, I think that that's excellent, but there's always some complexities. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can definitely just, get into that today. <laughs> let's just roll right back right into that. So yeah. something you... Like, you sent me for a material, but since I tweeted it, sure, I might as well read it. But anyway, uh, Monero dumped significantly upon the news of getting delisted from Binance. And I, I just did, this was honestly, as soon as it came out, I just, like, threw out the first things that came to my brain. I didn't really think through it too 
heavily, but it did pretty well. So there you go. But mm-hmm. basically, just said that this is not good, but it's kind of inevitable, an inevitable progression. And then also, um, and there is probably going to be fine after all this. And um, why don't you give me your hot take before I flip to the other the other tab? Well, I mean, so uh, this is this is just kind of like a, all a part of the, uh, the, the the choke point 2.0 campaign that's been ongoing for a number of years of which I was also a lucky recipient of being a, uh, a sample martyr for, for, for the cause. But uh, the new uh, Twitter the, bio, by the way, sample <laughs> martyr for the cause sample. Yeah. I got to change that out. <laughs> I think it says imprisoned for BTCing too hard, but I think the other one sounds better now. Both the, uh, the 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 one thing that uh, I think is uh, that I saw it was the other link that I gave you on this topic. Uh, the Millie uh, tweet mm-hmm. uh, noted that this is almost certainly due to the fact that the Feds have yeah. now unfettered access to, to Binance, uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's probably why we're seeing it now uh, because Monero has been listed and delisted a, a dozen times, and and really it's kind of settled down since then. I think Binance already kind of had it on a. Were they allowing withdrawals? Because uh, last time I checked with Binance, now it's been Binance hasn't been able to be accessible from Texas in quite a while because they screen us at the VP unless you're using a VPN at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last time I was on Binance, you could buy it and you could sell it, but you couldn't withdraw it. Um, so it's already kind of been in a weird state uh, of usage for Binance anyway. It wasn't really a primary place to get it from. Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure you could withdraw it. I do remember a few, like a year ago or so, them doing a big proof of keys type event where everyone withdrew. And there was always disruptions with withdrawals, but I think it was permitted. And I think when they announced the delisting officially, like not, not well, we think we're going to do it, which they did like a few weeks ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. When they finally did this week, they said it's going to be gone. They they did stop withdrawals, but as far as I know, they're back on. So hmm. I just I think it's just exchange shenanigans. Um, but yeah, I mean, this as I put up on the screen with this um, Millex tweet, or I'm assuming it's Millex because it's just a bunch of freaking weird symbols, and you know, <laughs> I have an easy enough username. Um, anyway, right. the part of the deal with CZ included a cause to allow Feds unadulterated access to Binance operations for four years. The days of Binance autonomy are ending, to be honest. Yeah, I can't disagree with that at all because Binance was known as just ground zero for the shitcoin casino forever. And eventually it's like if you're a ser- you're not a crypto unless you're on Binance. And you are a crypto, but not much else if you are on Binance. Like that's kind of like the the barrier, you know, the bus, like the barrier to entry right there. Mm-hmm. And now they they can't do what they want anymore. Now they they have to comply with more than just laws. They have to comply with whims of of the federal authorities, which are separate from legal sanctions, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, then get rid of get rid of Monero, I guess, right? I mean, I, this feels like I mean it's obviously consequential of a story for Monero, at least in the short term. I think Monero has a lot of culture and ability to bounce back from this it's mm-hmm. binance isn't at the end of the day the only centralized exchange uh in the world 
and so I, but this to me felt more like a Binance story than a Monero story looked at from the long view. Like mm -hmm. this kind of signals what, what we may view as like the turning point and the decline of Binance, right? Like obviously the impetus is the CZ case, uh, but this is like a symptom of where things are going to be headed. You know, it's, hey, hey guys, this is not a friendly place for, you know, degenerate behavior anymore you know there, there's there's adults watching this this exchange now <laughs> you know yeah it definitely i definitely think it's the what i would call the end of binance in the what binance was before it's definitely dead um yeah and it's also the early warning shot end of the centralized exchange kind of where it doesn't mean that like there, there won't be any, but in, yeah. obviously like, so if you go back to the early days, which I was part of some of them, but you were part of the ones even earlier, right. uh, where there weren't exchanges, there just were no exchanges at one point. Right. And then there was just Mt. Gox. And when Mt. Gox went down, everyone, you know, that was huge. Had a lot of ripples across the, mm -hmm. the ecosystem. Uh, but Mt. Gox kind of started the era of the centralized exchange. They got to the Mt. Gox, Coinbase, Binance, and then just some of the, the titans of industry, the Poloniex troll box, all that kind of stuff, like just all the, but it was like, that was literally what crypto was, was people playing around with stuff on the side, but crypto was the exchange, the centralized exchange. And um, a lot of these exchanges in weird jurisdictions, especially, were just like crypto only, no KYC, just throw your crypto coins, swap over anywhere. That yeah. era is over. Maybe not over, over, but it's, it's on the way out. Yeah. I, is, I would say like, it's, yeah. it's so like the yes and no, right? Like, so if you, if you want, so what happened was, uh, and just, just, just like OG perspective, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, the gray in my beard is real <laughs> type, mm -hmm. type, type answer. So, there was like a couple of other like right around the time gox popped up there was like liberty x and a couple of other like exchanges that didn't last very long that were that had an api and you could degen on and then there was the big gox hack and then i'm trying to remember the name of it it was something uh like cc it was like cex or something it was there was a big exchange that was like ultimate ultimate degen i can't remember the name of it basically it turned out that it was completely created by the guys that hacked empty gox because mm. they were using it to launder all the funds out there, there was so many so many bitcoin that were stolen from gox that they had to create an exchange to launder it out and the guys were eventually caught like nine years later but like that particular thing uh and this was all pre-kyc days that particular exchange kind of spawned uh, a lot of the what you called binance was like the shitcoin casinos that mm -hmm. Uh, have existed since then that were like the best example of one I could say right now is MEXC, right? Which mm. uh, also like maybe the last week or the week before there was a bunch of people claiming that they were not able to pull their coins out and there were some shenanigans going on the side. So basically these are, these are always going to exist. They're going to pop up in these uh, weird jurisdictions where they think they don't have to comply with American uh, uh, KYC laws they will exist for a while to allow people to play their shitcoin casino games. And then 
they will either rug or they will get shut down. Mm-hmm. Those are never going to go away, but you'll never see another Binance emerge out of them. That's yeah. what that that's the distinction here. Like you'll never see one, like because like Coinbase was like I would say the first one that was launched that wasn't launched out of like the shitcoin casino mindset. They were trying to be serious, and it shows in the culture and what they're trying to do. Even though they do engage in a lot of the same activities that maybe Binance does. But like Binance was one of these degen centralized exchanges that tried to kind of go legit. And you can see that 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 just is not working out for them. I don't think it will ever work out for anybody ever again. That will affect that will I mean, that that will affect the market. I mean, to put it plainly, um, you won't be able to see people easily raise venture capital for an exchange again ever again. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless they are strictly going through this like KYC Gemini Coinbase type model, uh, but you will still see like gray money, dark money go into fund centralized exchanges to create these like these casino atmospheres that come and go. I think. Yeah, I just think fewer of them will be centralized, fully centralized infrastructure. I think that. One thing I have noticed casually is the explosion over the last few years of like five years, let's say, of like swap services, a little swap aggregators that, you know, bounce between different, you know, exchanges and things like that. And now a lot of those are using DEX rails, like obviously the whole EVM, AMM world, but then also you got ThorChain, Maya Protocol, Chainflip is now part of the mix, maybe Sarai DEX soon, but like you have all these other dex rails coming in there and i it seems like the the casino world is more in the dex or dex in name only kind of world and the there's also something i've been noticing a lot of i guess DeFi platforms or you know dex aggregators are having a a fiat on-ramp component so the whole dex trading stuff is obviously the whole thing's non-custodial, but the whole DEX trading stuff is obviously no KYC, etc. And it, it's only like f- when you have to actually dip into the fiat world there. And they some some of them have like Thor Wallet is one of my favorite examples of this because they have a little a few different uh, fiat on ramps. They also have like uh, a debit card and stuff like all like the the whole like Coinbase suite of things, but all on a non-custodial wallet that if you want to send, receive, and swap. You don't need to touch into KYC at all for that. So there's that. Then there's also the new, I don't know if it's a new entrant, but a, a major entrant is the, um, I guess, the super regulated neobank type things like the Cash Apps, the PayPals, Revolut is another one, like those ones. And um, I was chatting with one of them um, recently and they are they don't even talk about, they can't talk about crypto at all they they support it but they can't like you know let's just say paypal can't be like did you know you know litecoin the oldest blah 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 they can't say it no they just they're nothing whereas binance could just say whatever they want coinbase talks about stuff and so it seems like it used to be this like everything was a centralized exchange now it's like kicking down to centralized front end of decks or full decks or kicking upward into super regulated neobank or, you know, 
ETF fund kind of thing. Seems like the 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 space occupied by the centralized exchange is just being like split up and down. Oop, I think you got all muted there for a second or something. Maybe um, hit the cough button, you know, BTC too hard, hit the cough button too hard. Unless my um, my headphones died for some reason. Let me just make sure um, I could hear stuff. I seem to remember something like this happened before when we were on a few months ago. Can't remember. Um, yeah, everyone should hear that. So... My sound's working fine. It's working fine in the little container that you're in, so it must be your um, your microphone that just cut out or something or got switched off um, in some way. But um, anyway, let me just make sure I'm not annoying the rest of the people with, with too much um, anything. But anyway, um, feel free, by the way, if you want to just leave and come back and see if that solves things. Let me just switch to... Uh, Oops, switch to like a little waiting screen. People can still hear me talking, by the way. I'm just, just switch to a waiting screen. Why don't you just like refresh the thing, go go back in and out and see if we can, see if you have any help with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I was mentioning with the um, centralized exchange kind of wrapper and stuff, um, it's definitely, it's definitely segmenting into different worlds. And I think that we're going to see an interesting bifurcation of the asset classes right where you start you in the beginning have um you have like the super regulated exchange coins and then there's some other ones that might be like a second tier but then it also i think you're gonna start to have ones that are just like if you're not in that world you just got nothing like you don't exist um that'll be kind of funny to see and the thing is um I don't know how long we're going to have um, Monero in the mix for kind of these larger uh, platforms, for the, the more regulated centralized exchange platforms. It might not hang out there for a while, but that doesn't. But I think that it could be the, the king of the underworld where you have the, the DEX. The thing about Monero that has been a limitation, I guess, is technologically it seems much more difficult to integrate into services. And so because of that, it's full-on DEX integration, I guess, spread might be lacking a little bit. And I know that's obviously a massive priority for the community at this point, and you know, rightly so, it should be. Um, and pretty soon, um, I think that, I think we're going to... Um, we're going to see a lot more DEX integrations. Once that happens, though, um, you can definitely see Monero be, again, the king of the underworld. The underground um, experience is just like, oh, if you see Monero, the icon show up on an, a platform you're at or whatever, you know it's like a symbol that, oh, it's only in this world here. It's not the the major world. It's not the, you know, it's not the regular fiat kind of world. And so that might be like, I guess I can foresee a switch to um, 
like a switch from do like where crypto right now is a lot more i guess homogenous but to be like a in institutional cryptos where it's like the boomer coins you know the bitcoins or the litecoins and ethereums or whatever are in funds you might have those um but then you might also have um you got you have those but then you also have like the underworld kind of ones where it's just all the rest of the cryptos are some, somewhere else okay all right well let me get a new brave talk link for mark here to get him to to rejoin um as always you know tech it we have to admit in all this it's going to be consistently superior to um this could be consistently superior to <laughs> x spaces or twitter spaces because those things always have bugs every single time there was like 40 maybe 50 percent of them have some kind of an issue and it's just it's just so annoying um but yeah Nice little uh, monologue I'm able to have here with just the, the logo spinning around, which is fun. Um, but we do hope we get Mark back in here pretty soon. But yeah, so as far as... We did have an interesting space on the, I guess, at dash underscore community or the, the digital cash um X handle on Thursday, which is yesterday, about the whole is it is the delisting good or is it bad, or you know something else, and a lot of the consensus seems to be that reliance on these exchanges has been kind of has gotten way out of hand, where the entire crypto ecosystem relies uh, very heavily on these having excuse me, on having these kinds of um, large exchange platforms and then a lot of trading volume, i.e. what pays the bills, comes from those you know, traders on these platforms. And so then oh, it's like a lot of projects then atrophy a little bit because they focus way too much on exchange integrations, on being on these platforms, being on these exchanges, and... Um, getting a lot of speculative trading value, but not very much on, oh, there we go, hello. Um, not very much on kind of other things like true peer-to-peer -peer type stuff. Um, hmm, still no mic access, interesting. Well, you know, welcome to the world of, of tech at this point, but I'm sure you guys are having, um, a lot of fun <laughs> with the, the talking head thing here. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try a couple other things. Um, so yeah, bear with me for just a little bit um, as I kind of um, get this thing figured out to see try and it's going to be funny to see if people recognize um 
um, some of these sounds go into Google Meet. Ooh, let's see if this works. As you can sure hear, the big long thing. Anyway, um, back on with the rants. So, yeah, a lot of times these exchanges are what set the prices. And I do remember in the early days of Bitcoin, people not only just trading Bitcoin, but, you know, for goods and services, but pricing things in Bitcoin. And obviously there were more real, I guess, you know, or official, um, like official pricing mechanisms from exchanges and stuff. But um, I do remember a few sites in particular, either paying people or selling goods or services for um, for Bitcoin and keeping the prices in play for a certain period of time, like a few months even. So not the daily volatility where it's just like, oh, this is the same. It costs 0.5 Bitcoin for this always. It's like, okay, well, that's good. That makes things a whole lot you know, simpler. Um, but then over time, you know, then it just became very much into you know, current exchange rates, things like that, like, you know, all that fun stuff. And I think that over time, we're going to have to start migrating towards more. There's only two ways, right? You can either build out a fully kind of peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash ecosystem and just grow from the ground up, or you can go full on into the top-down kind of thing where you're trying to get in all the legacy institutions and build your own and that's where you kind of get, you know, that's kind of where you draw everything from. So, yeah, there's like a couple of ways this could go. I mean, obviously, Monero is um, obviously, um, obviously, Monero is um, kind of positioned for that other one. So, all right, one moment. Let me just hit this. Um, let me just hit the the waiting sound <laughs> as well as I get this thing figured out. One moment. that so i think we're probably back by the way guys um anyway as 
I gotta sort of continue that rant while Mark fiddles with these settings, but we should be able to hear him just fine. Um, let's see, where were we? It was on the, yeah, the, the kind of bifurcation of the, the Dex world into, or the the crypto world into, like the institutional level of things. Um, and where you have like the institutionally supported assets, things like that, all the way down to then maybe an underworld kind of thing where um, before just like the Binance and the other casino um, exchanges were the underworld, but now it seems like it's just like the network of peer-to-peer DEXs and stuff is kind of where maybe something like Monero might end up completely. Um, one moment. Are you able able to hear me? Yeah. Do we we need the both people in there? Um, I'm sending audio through one and video through the other. Okay. Let me um temporarily um here. Let me switch to the gotta do a little little magic stuff here. Um, let me temporarily move the the camera thing around. One moment. Just so people, because to make sure people can all see everything, okay. So this one yeah so for everyone else watching um sorry for the the temporary disruptions but hope you guys are having a good day um it's been uh yeah what can i say a crazy week of a lot of a lot of crazy things and i'm kind of looking forward to the whole um delisting talk of being something, you know, in the, in the background, right? For in the rear view mirror. Yeah, in the rear view mirror. All right, let me let me try this uh, regular stream. Um, all right, so now people, this you know, temporary hack. People can see a little bit better, but we'll just write it out like this. Um, I don't know how much of all the rambling of the last few minutes you caught, but basically, just talking about just continuing on that whole thing now do you think monero do you think there's going to be a kind of an institutional level of crypto players like you know as i mentioned like the the neo banks and then the funds and all that kind of stuff and there's a certain subset of coins you'll see there and then monero is not going to be one of them and then when you start dipping into another part of the world then all of a sudden it's like the dex world you see just the underground you see it's almost like when you see that little little orange red black whatever monero logo it's almost like oh we're in the we're in the they were off roading here like this is yeah. that's just kind of a sign of that. Well, I mean, I've always I've always had the feeling this is gonna be like a horses for courses type situation. Like, I mean, not every crypto is good for every ca- application. That's kind of the point, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the point of what we're building here. Uh, I think you can see evidence of of the 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 future that you 
allude to in that question. Mm -hmm. and, uh, someone pointed out to me recently that uh, uh, the prevalence of tether in Southeast Asia and uh, uh, Latin America, South yeah. America, not on the EVM, yeah. but on the Tron uh, network because of the way the fee structures work. And uh, that is what's driving tether adoption uh, in non-American mm. and European-influenced crypto markets is uh, the fact that it is a great substitute for failing currencies uh, and uh, international usage. Like I, I, I was, I was doing some more work and consulting uh, mm. a couple of years ago, and a little bit at the beginning of this year with uh, some uh, some agencies that were based in uh, Korea and based in uh, the Philippines and parts of China. And all of them were asking me for my Tron address. And I'm like digging deep trying to figure out if I've even got one that's connected to a, a mnemonic that I use regularly, you know, and, you know, that because that's just their SOP. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm giving them advice based on, well, I think really, I think you should be developing this application for, you know, the EVM or something like that. They're like, no, 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 Tron, Tron. We want to do Tron because that's what everybody uses here. And I'm like, oh, okay, that that is what it is. But that, I mean, I think it's going to same thing with like Monero and privacy coins. Is you're going to see those coins that aren't uh, that aren't like you'll see. You'll mm -hmm. if, if if privacy is the primary feature of the coin, right? And it's not remittance or you know, store of value or something else, you know, coins that like Zcash and Dash that have user bases outside of just people trying to use the coin for privacy, I think have a brighter future. Monero's entire brand is, you know, the dark market loves us and uh, you've mm -hmm. got privacy by default. I think privacy by default coins and that, that being their entire identity, those are going to be, as you say, like off-road coins. <laughs> those are going to be coins that are not going to be accepted by this new TradFi crypto-loving world that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Uh, but also, it, it's going to be fun to see. Like, I think that the segmentation of which coins are used in which context is going to continue. At And ironically, it's going to matter almost less over time because so um, I'm not going to throw up on the screen right now, but I just, I, as a test, I went to Rango exchange and then looked at their, um, how, how cheaply could they send five dash, which is like $136 about and turn it into tether on Tron through Dex rails. And it was, I'd get 128, um, tether on tron from that which is actually better than i a lot better than i thought i would get right and so and that it, it actually shows the roots and it has like a, a few different options here and this is like the main route here right it would be um dash using the maya protocol dash to rune thorchain using now using thorchain would be rune to usdc on binance smart chain and then through synapse swapper to tether on binance smart chain and then all bridge core from Tether on Binance Smart Chain to Tron. All these steps with relatively little cost, all, all things considered. But just the thing is like, first off, that's insanely complicated. But it is also under the hood for the most part. And so yeah. I think it really matters with uh, 
cost and latency. Like if you're paying every single merchant and you're going through this nonsense, that's just not going to work, right? It's just not going to work. But if it's just like, oh, we can pay your salary in only Tether on Tron. That's all we got. And you're like, all right, well, all the merchants in my area take Dash. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just swap a bag to Dash every week or so for spending money. And then it's just fine. And it's just like, oh, this coin got delisted. Oh, this is Monero. Just Monero only country, you know? And then, okay, so they only pay you in Monero. It's like, I, I want some USDC on Avalanche. And then, you know, once you get something, get Monero on something like Sarai Dex or whatever, then beep, you can just kind of go in there. But uh, there will probably be whole segments of the crypto world that won't even know other coins exist because they'll be like, Everything I do is just this. And like you're telling me there's other coins out there? That's crazy. Well, I mean, it, it's, uh, and this, this get, kind of gets away from where we're talking, uh, like the, the world we're talking about, but it's related thematically is, is, is what, when I was doing a lot of ICOs in 2017 to 2019 era, uh, what ended up happening <clears throat> for a lot of like the, because everybody wanted to create a token. For their ICO, just bas- basically, they wanted to have a, a like the blockchain halo on their Web mm-hmm. two application, and so the conversation would obvi- uh, would always go like down these stepping stones. They go, okay, well, I want to do an ICO because I want money and I don't want to talk to VCs or or venture or, or, or PE firms. Like, okay, great, well, we can help, you. right? Mm-hmm. So then we do that. So what do we do? Well. Uh, you're going to have a marketplace, right? Some kind of Web2 based marketplace. Well, why don't you make it a Web2 marketplace with a token on it, and you can use the token for transaction on your on your marketplace that you've created? Okay, great. Um, well, the, our our user feedback is they don't understand. Like my 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 product is called uh, uh, you know XYZ marketplace, and they don't know what XYZ coin is. Like They look at, they see the token on there in their dashboard, and they don't understand how to buy it, how to manage it. Uh, and so uh, why don't we just represent that in the USD equivalent of XYZ coin? Uh, and then you know, it'll float back and forth. Okay, great. We can do that. Okay, and then and then the next step would obviously be, well, now they're, now they're upset because the USD equivalent value fluctuates from day to day. Like, one day it's five dollars. The next day it's fifteen dollars, and then the day after that it's like three bucks. So, mm-hmm. how about we let them store USD, you know, in some sort of stable coin, and then they can just convert it to our governance token whenever they want to mm-hmm. use it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So you end up getting all these levels of disintermediation to the point where uh, the dollar value just ends up being kind of like a construct that you think in, as opposed to an actual derivative of of the dollar right mm-hmm. and what we're talking about at, at this point is kind of what we experienced in the united states in kind of the, the westward expansion era which is the the balkanization of the federation of of value and there will be people there will be entire segments of the internet that might think in terms of did they denominate the value in monero because that's what they deal with every day and then there'll be entire segments of the internet that denominate the the value in TUSD, uh, you know, Tether, Tether on Tron, uh, because that's what they deal with day to day. And, you know, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other, you know, major currencies, it's just kind of what, what do you deal with on a daily basis 
that's how you're going to denominate value in your head. And it's all an abstraction because what's underlying it just is going to depend upon what part of the internet you've navigated to. Yeah, that's going to be a wild world for sure. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, you know, it, it, it comes back to the whole thing that we always talk about, which UXs have to evolve, right? It's all about the UX. Mm -hmm. What goes underneath the hood isn't going to matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you can create a good UX and then the underlying chain only matters in so far as it can enable the UX you want. So like, for example, when playing around with these roots on Rango for various assets, it's like, okay, well then now you got one that's, you know, now I lost like 30% of my trade because I had to dip through the ETH L1 to get there. And it's just mm -hmm. like, okay, people are not going to do that then. And it's just like, do you have a route through Arbitrum? Do you have a route through whatever? And Solana, for example, and then don't have those issues nearly as much. Then that's when things are going to start to matter. And I think that um, Bitcoin is the one that's sort of grandfathered in to, I guess, not having to deal with that to a certain extent. There's a certain, and I, I don't know exactly know how I feel about this because, you know, obviously I use crypto and I like my crypto to be usable, et cetera, et cetera. And the Bitcoin experience is not nearly the best these days. And there is the free market too, but it seems like because so many funds it's and things like that are just like, oh, we're going to store some Bitcoin or whatever, people are willing to put up with like some crap just because of Bitcoin. Whereas with Ethereum and Ethereum's children and all the other cryptos, basically, it seems to be a lot more unforgiving about the, the actual experience and like the fees of stuff. So people might still, you know, have a certain amount of uh, like, hesitancy to use bitcoin but also they might have it and then just that's just what you, they just accept that as the price of doing business is we all have to have bitcoin and then you pay the nasty fees to get out to other things uh, which i hope isn't the case and i hope honestly um centralized um exchanges and funds et like i have seen bitcoiners unironically not even joking around claiming that the ETFs were scaling solutions for Bitcoin, which it's, it's I'm, super... I mean, I don't totally disagree with that. Sentiment, exactly. Sentiment, but it's, but it's, it's like, revolting. <laughs> it's revolting, yeah, but it's true. I don't know that I go around saying it. It may be technically yeah. correct, but I don't know if it's the right way to say yes. that. Yeah, yeah so all these... Um, like, if Bitcoin is scaling on centralized rails, then... And centralized rails don't interact with the rest of the space. The only way Bitcoin can interact with the rest of the space is by touching that dirty, nasty layer one and just getting destroyed in the fees. So I think that there's going to be a market, like a, a an arms race, as it were, to who can wrap Bitcoin the best, who can do a trustworthy wrapped Bitcoin token of Bitcoin or whatever, so you can deal with all that stuff and who knows it might be like let's just say a Thorchain synthetic for btc I mean, that might be one thing that wins out it might be whatever else who knows but then that thing's going to be a hot commodity because you can go in and out of bitcoin and other things without having to deal with the main chain and i think that too many like everyone like the these 
competition for L2s for Ethereum is just off the charts. Everyone wants to do that. Only Bitcoin yeah. people seem to want to do Bitcoin L2s, which I think is just a massive missed opportunity. Like, just don't you see where it's going? It's getting institutionalized to this level. Don't you see how awful their solutions are? Can't you get a piece of that? You know, and I, unfortunately, it's just like the the maxi elements would just like yell at it and stuff. But like at the same time, I think the maxis have started to give up on lightning as a whole, maybe not entirely, but they're not as like uber bullish anymore. And they're starting to deal with federated liquid, which is not Bitcoin at all. And so if they're going to do that, they might as well do some EVM based one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the dominant, the dominant, I don't know, this is, this is unsupported by any research because it's, I, I, there's obviously, you can quantify this, but it feels like to me, in my world, the dominant L2 for Bitcoin is the EVM because of WBTC. And uh, at, uh, a group that I've had some interaction with recently, we talked about before the show, does characterize WBTC as decentralization theater because it's all custodied by one organization. But that's going to change over time, uh, just in the way that there's a lot of experimentation between, you know, uh, DAI and then like some of the actually truly decentralized alternatives that don't rely on USDC. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, launched something this week that I forget the name of. I think it's HAI or something mm -hmm. that's looks really promising in that respect. There's just a lot of innovation happening with true decentralization, so that I, I, I. I, and it all seems to be happening in EVM derivative ecosystems, not necessarily Ethereum directly, but, you know, Arbitrum or Optimism or other places that I think that it's, it, we're going to see that we're going to see a good decentralized Bitcoin derivative alternative probably over in the EVM ecosystem way before we see a good one that we all feel comfortable with in the Bitcoin one. And a lot of people that know me are going to hate that I just said that, but that's my true opinion. Yeah, it's probably is going to be that first and, you know, maybe Solana or something. I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about where Solana is yeah. going. But it's a shiver go down my spine when you say that. <laughs> yeah, because at the, at the one hand, Solana kind of became famous for being horrendously centralized and breaking eight times. And then... It pushed very high throughput, you know, records. And as of like a couple of weeks ago, it was looking to be like the comeback kid. And then it crapped out again. And that doesn't erase that, but it's, I don't know. It's still, it's remains to be seen kind of thing. Well, so speaking on the exchange stuff, we should touch on the um, KYC thing. Because um, that's interesting. See so this article inside the underground site where neural networks churn out fake IDs and just shows all this like yeah. this fake ID thing. Um, anyway, so basically, you you know, an underground website called only fake <laughs> got a funny play on words there, right? Is claiming to use neural networks to generate realistic looking photos of fake ideas for just $15 radically disrupting the marketplace for fake identities and cybersecurity more generally. Um, yeah, so we, the verified produce fake IDs nearly instantly could streamline everything from bank fraud to laundering 
stolen funds. Yeah, I mean, this is what you know the kids would call you know um, surprised Pikachu face, like oh, <laughs> like oh, this wasn't going to happen. So uh, before I run my mouth, what's your hot take on this? Well, I, I think my my hot take on it was that uh, this was only shocking, like you said, with the Pikachu face, only shocking to people because. I should back up and say the, 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 the headline that was on the tech meme and the 404 mm-hmm. article was that they were able to set up an OKX exchange account using this fake yeah. ID uh, within minutes. And I, and that to me is only shocking to people who've never tried to set up an account on OKX, which will basically let you set up an account with a picture of your dog. If you so choose, it's not really known for their stringent KYC policy. Uh, however, uh, what sites are known for their stringent KYC policy is any network that uses Plaid, which is like you mentioned earlier, a lot of the neobanks, Cash App, Coinbase, like all the real exchanges, centralized exchanges where activity is being constrained to basically use the Plaid network for KYC with very few exceptions. And anybody that's used any of those sites know that you have to like, you hold up your ID here and it makes you do this number with your face and it scans your face. So this doesn't solve that problem. This doesn't streamline that problem. This uh, this fake ID generated by a neural network does not solve the problem of if you get pulled over and you have this, you know, really uh, nice, nicely created, even with the holographic strip ID that you handed the police officer. As soon as he runs it through the computer, he's going to know that McLovin is not a real person. That your real name is something other than McLovin. <laughs> um, so in all likelihood. <laughs> In all likelihood, I mean, there is one McLovin that we know of, so maybe it is. But so the uh, the the idea there is that, well, and, and this we, we got into a deep discussion about this on the show earlier today. It was pointed out that the, you know, the the place to go get IDs on any dark net, uh, on a dark uh, dark web website is usually with that ID guy, and he's got that mm-hmm. he squatted that the, that name on every one of the the the, the dark web websites. He's known for being able to put out quality stuff that will pass a law enforcement check if you use a real uh, uh, ID, like if you use a real name that, that exists, which you can also buy from most of those same dark web websites for about five bucks, something that you know has been stolen or from a leaked database or something like that. So, <laughs> leaked database, real... he stuttered. <laughs> They're all leaked at this point. Huh? Yes. <laughs> But the, but the point there being is that I don't think, I think the story, uh, once again, mainstream media has gotten this story wrong. It's not shocking to me that you're able to create these things with neural networks. It's not shocking to me that you can find fake IDs or stolen IDs on the dark web or that there's a guy out there that can do it for almost as cheaply as you can do it with a neural network. Uh, what should be shocking to the most people listening to this and reading that story is that how how brittle and facile are western standards for identification are how ineffective kyc mm. is actually doing what you could defeat you could already do this for about ten dollars maybe twenty dollars more than what this neural network could do mm-hmm. and probably more effectively um it's just that now we've got a nice flashy headline that says oh ai can do it and now everyone's going to start paying attention there is no easy fix to this this vulnerability already existed before ai that 
much we know because of the massive amount of fraud that takes place, not just through crypto, but through traditional payment rails. Yeah, you know, there's uh, a will, there's a way. I mean, I, I it was the, another story that's very much related to this this problem that uh, came out this week is the the the, the revelation that Iran invade, evaded sanctions to the tune of billions of dollars, not through using Bitcoin, not through using AI-generated fake IDs, but through their bank accounts at Lloyd's of London and Santander. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it the 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 the. The blockchain is an improvement upon the traditional finance system. That's yeah. that to me. It, it allows people to be uh, not uh, criminal evaders, but have the amount of privacy that they believe they ought to have based upon what it is they're trying to do, as opposed to the traditional finance system, which is a murky, dark hole of people getting bribed to do whatever you're allowed to do with however much money you have in your bribe. Yeah, and that is kind of, I sort of dipped my toes into that world a little bit through exploring like personal privacy. And of course, uh, I follow a lot of the stuff that Naomi Brockwell talks about for, for personal privacy. And I mean, crypto is so much more transparent, right? Because if you want financial privacy with fiat, you have to use cash, which, you know, is one way and it's increasingly going away, but still there. But then also you can use something like privacy.com to generate single use credit card numbers to just keep on kind of doing that. And then it's like the transparent, the, the accountability of something like that. I mean, it's a legit company as far as I know. But the, the point is the fact that you could kind of get that done. That's just so much different. And then uh, I don't like to have my. I don't know my phone number, right? I don't even know it. I've never used it because I don't want to get SIM swapped, right? So I just only use VoIP numbers. And there are some services that just want a phone number for semi-ID purposes, right? Just to make sure that's how they know you're not a bot somehow is you have a phone number, you know, whatever. And if they don't have, um, if they don't let you do a VoIP number, I do have some services that will pay, will take crypto that will let you use a real non-VoIP number for like a single use for like 50 cents. So you just send 50 cents of crypto right. and boom, there you go. And it's just like the old way of doing things. It's more like an idiot test than anything else. It's more to a certain extent, it's an idiot test, but then to the other extent, it's a, it's an, an innocence dragnet where you're trying to collect all the data from people who would, would never be a threat to the regime or anything. But you just want under the auspices of catching the bad guys, who, if you know, if they're any smart, you're not going to get them. If you just collect all this information from people. And so the thing about KYC and people who I know who, um, like for example, uh, Bruce Fenton, who's been involved in traditional finance long before he's been involved in crypto, you know, remembers a time before KYC, like when they introduced KYC with stuff and people say, Oh, this is crazy. And I think KYC is a big pain but it's not a, until now, it's not a big enough pain that people will just say, look, I'm not doing that. You know, people will be like, all right, fine. I'll get my little ID. I'll take the selfie with it and then wait. And then, okay, I got a bank account. That's fine. Uh, but now that we have this like super easy to game system, that's now it's gaining, which again, as you pointed out, it's not new. It's been around, but the point is it's getting maybe more efficient and also more press. At some point, they're going to ratchet up the annoyance on the KYC side 
to where they're going to break it. They're going to twist it so hard that it's going to break and people are going to be like, no, this is too much. I'm going back to cash. I'm doing whatever. I'm going to actually pick it. You mean I can't buy uh, something for 10 grand without the IRS being reported with cash? Like what the hell? Like people, people don't even know this because they don't use cash, but then they will use cash. Be like, hey, I'm going to buy a cheap car. Let's be honest, 10K is not that much for a car these days. I'm going to buy right. a cheap car for my daughter in cash because, you know, I I have some issue with this bank thingy and I don't know, whatever. Here, I'll just give, the, give my daughter a stack of cash instead of having her set up this annoying fucking account. And then all of a sudden she gets flagged for trying to buy a car. It's like, what the hell is it? You mean this is legal? And then you start picketing. Then you start showing up to... Um, to you know con- congressional testimony things and then you start like then it goes there oh uh, i don't how do you think that's going to shake out uh yeah i mean it's it right now we're in this this like age of overreaction uh, we've been tracking this show on uh, a couple of the podcasts that i come on a lot the things that were very disturbing with, with regard to kyc overreaction stem from the uh the elizabeth warren joe biden uh kind of driven policy initiatives uh one of them that was really uh, i think is going to cause a of this crackback that you're talking about mm-hmm. is the beneficiary reporting rules for corporations in the united states it creates an onerous requirement so uh for those that are familiar with me uh and know my story they may recall that uh, I went to prison because I didn't fill out a piece of paper with uh, an organization, a little known organization called FinCEN that said mm-hmm. I was uh, selling Bitcoin above a certain amount. Right. So that requirement that I, and that I, uh, that I didn't comply with that sent me to prison for uh, was a, a sentence of eight, uh, 15 months is now been extended to anybody who's ever registered or been named as a beneficial owner of a corporation. A hundred percent of all people who've ever filed a corporation now have to, with FinCEN, file a piece of paper within, uh, I think it's within six weeks of any information being updated or changing. So like if you you have to file it, everybody Mm -hmm. has to file it now. If it changes and you don't file it, you're out of compliance uh, within six weeks, which currently there's only civil penalties but that's how this this one you know that's how fincen starts if you don't comply with the civil penalties you don't pay your fines there could be potentially criminal penalties we are manufacturing at record rate kyc felons and Mm -hmm. it's good i mean it's it's real easy to uh and i know this because i've had friends that have walked away from me after my ordeal it's real easy Mm -hmm. to go oh well mark you probably should have known that this lady was a little bit shady. Oh, Mark, you should have, you should have known. You should have done your research and known that you were supposed to file this piece of paper with FinCEN. That was stupid of you. A lot of people say that to me, and maybe they're right. Well, we're going to see the same thing start to happen with people who have an LLC that's just there that they they, they keep up to date, but they don't really do anything with. But they didn't file their beneficial owner ownership paperwork, and they're going to fall afoul of some U.S. attorney. And the U.S. attorney is going to go, well, we can't get you on the thing that we want to get you for, but we're going to get you for not filing this piece of paper. And they're going to be sentenced to prison. You're going to see a lot more people going to prison for things that weren't even crimes a year ago. Yeah. And that's going to cause the clap back. Yeah, and that's exactly 
you know, similar to my childhood growing up in Mexico where the system is, I don't know what it's like today. I can't imagine it's that much better, but it was the same thing where there's a bunch of laws on the books. Like, for example, you can legally own a firearm on your premises to a certain extent, but it's criminal to travel with it. And so then it's kind of a catch-22 of like, you can have, a farmer can have a shotgun, but how do they get the shotgun? That's There's no legal way to get the shotgun. And so literally there's always this kind of situation, or, or for example, when importing things, everything is, again, you, can, you can't import anything unless you bribe the border guards and then you can import anything you want. But then, right. if, you know, there's this weird situation and you know, not to dip too far into politics, but just recently with the announcement that the sitting president of the U.S. is has had some um, has had some document leaks that the former president they throw the book at for, but then this president is not being prosecuted because he's allegedly senile. That was the justification. But he's still the sitting president, which should not be the case if he's senile. It should be the vice president come in. We're starting to get this weird situation where I don't think the legally right thing, whatever, you know, I don't think that legal and right are the same thing at all. But I'm just saying, if you believe the legal thing is the right thing, I don't think that's going to happen in this case, whatever that might be. Whichever path you want to take, I don't think that's going to happen. Then we get in this weird situation the problem is most Americans, I think, um, are in this fantasy world of thinking that the there, there is that the justice system is just at the top. Oh yeah, there's all like the bad apples, but it's good. And so if you run a foul, if you're a felon, you won't hire the person. For example, that just everyone kind of says, well, you know, I get that there's outliers, but aren't there like defense funds and nonprofits to deal with that. And like, you know, it should be expunged as soon as the governor of this state knows they'll pardon them and expunge it. Like, no, it's not true at all. <laughs> and people are waking up to it slowly. And so the whole like KYC scam thing, I think that uh, the vast majority of people who innocent people who get convicted of financial crimes of one way or another um, are fringe people. They're involved in fringe activities that it's easy for the average person to just dismiss and be like, all right, well, that guy was running some, he was doing some strange stuff. And even though I know he's a nice guy and he means well, you know, it's risky, but it's not a problem for me because I just have a company and I, when that changes, that's going to be, it's going to be something else. But yeah. in the meantime, yeah, KYC is useless. It doesn't work. And now with the free flowing exchange of information that, you know, AI search engine stuff has made so easy and the generation of like, you just have to like no Photoshop to make fake images. Now you just hit a button and generate a new fake face and just now at this point, I think it's, it's going to push and we're either going to get some sort of a super draconian national ID type system or you know, global ID or, you know, each nation has its own type thing. Either we're moving in that direction or we're moving in a direction of something else better and freer. And it's going to be really hard to make sure it's going to be the latter rather than the former. And, and, and again, it's, it's hard to talk about. I mean, but this is, this has been the subject of what I've been talking about for, for years when I do my speeches on crypto and Bitcoin is that Mm -hmm. 
it, it is an inherently political concept. But this this also starts to get tied into the the really political hot button issue that of 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 immigration going on right now. There's a whole debate happening about what may may or may not be happening at the southern border. Should Texas be able to patrol its borders, or is that the job of the federal government who gets to cut the razor wire or put it there? And mm-hmm. this is all tied to the idea of ID, right? So as we're thinking about this world in which we want to live in, where obviously the old system isn't working, the the paper ID is going going more draconian. It is only going to cause more schisms in society. What does the new one look like, and how does it handle these issues of border border control? Because really, that's what ID was. You know, at the at the end of the day, it's meant to allow people to travel. Uh, and have some sort of border control. Uh, just you know, the the banking aspect of it is kind of an affectation, really, uh, uh, of, of modern. St- I mean, so it's it's really you have to take all of these things into consideration as you're conceiving of the new. And it's no wonder that we haven't come up with a good standard for it. Uh, I, I like to say this. This is something that came out of a a meeting that I had in like 2018 uh, when we were trying to get a bunch of blockchain organizations together to come up with a new standard for ID. Like you get 15 philosophers in the room to ask them what is identity and you're going to get 30 answers. How the hell are you going to get at 15 politicians in the room to come up with a standard for identity or 15 technologists in the room to come up with a standard for identity? It's it's a... The, the, it's answer, to that, the answer to that, the real answer to that hypothetical is consolidate their source of funding to one party. If there you one go. entity is paying them all off, they will come to consensus. That's absolutely correct, yeah. yeah. But in a, an increasingly balkanized world, that uh, seems less and less likely. Yeah. Well, let's hit on this last thing of you know useless regulation and stuff um, for, you know, again, but I stutter. Um, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission open meetings about to finalize new definition of dealer and the latest bid to boost resilience of the treasury market. SEC rule would require prop traders to register with the SEC as a dealer if they're primarily earned revenue from capturing bid-ask spread on securities from market-making incentives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this is this the whole DeFi thing that we were hearing about. We were trying to make DeFi players um, basically... Uh, register at the SEC if they have a certain amount. Yes, and so I, I had like a, maybe a little bit of positive news for those of us that do don't enjoy new regulations and federal guidelines uh, mm-hmm. is that there might be some big money people that push back on this and get this thing rolled back somehow because this doesn't just affect us in DeFi but it also affects a lot of large head funds hedge funds uh, of similar size and makeup of like things like BlackRock. And we all know mm-hmm. how much, you know, gravity they pull into a room when it comes to SEC regulations. We've just witnessed the ETFs approval kind of as a result of them swinging themselves uh, around. So, uh, but for DeFi, this was an interesting, I, I was watching Gabriel Shapiro uh, kind of live tweet, uh, I guess, the proceedings, because he was he's a, a crypto lawyer, for those that don't know, Lex, Lex mm-hmm. Punk is his Twitter handle. And... Uh, it was mostly uh, uh, Hester Pierce kind of pushing back against the other commissioners in this discussion, saying, look, this is an onerous regulation. We don't understand even how many people there are 
in the world in, in the world of DeFi that are trading on these things that you're going to call securities even though we don't even all agree that they ought to be called securities uh mm-hmm. and now you're saying they all need to come in and register as prop traders which is an onerous uh kind of otc style licensing scheme that really doesn't apply who who needs to register because there was there was a bunch of confusion and discussion talking about does the amm itself need to register does the liquidity provider need to register does the token issuer need to register who who are we even talking about here and mm-hmm. the answer to all those questions was basically uh varying degrees of i don't know or i don't understand or well DeFi hasn't been compliant thus far so we really can't answer that question and shoot hester's like uh yeah you you don't make it possible for them to be compliant so how do you expect them to be compliant and come in and report come on let's be serious here and then um uh, i guess gensler got tired of hearing it uh because he comes in and says well this really only applies for uh provision of liquidity individual provision of liquidity above 50 million which yeah so an individual uh, whale like you you could almost watch because again i was watching this go across on twitter in like in like kind of real time and you could see mm-hmm. like all the people that were on like were degen traders kind of sitting on the edge of their seat going oh god is this the end of everything that we know and then and then gets says 50 million and everybody's like oh thank god you know yeah so it's, uh, i don't have 50 million at any individual liquidity yeah. position so i guess we're okay but it is it does have implications for not the dgen world uh but like things that rise above things that emerge mm-hmm. out of like small projects that have like um there are certainly individual liquidity holders on say something like uniswap's token or mm-hmm. uh sushi's token or aave's token that have positions above 50 million that now are going to be required to register as a prop trader to do that i mean it, it is a very bizarre decision and, and one that I, I from what i understand and this is frank kushner he's the guy that does the traditional finance podcast in our network says that there's a good possibility that there's going to be some some pushback against just because it's it's a very infuriating position if you are a, a hedge fund yeah i mean that that makes perfect sense uh it, it's funny because um we're kind of entering this age of uh, this area of rules that in practice apply to only certain people and it's just like for example what percentage of the american population that actually earns an income of any sort um, files taxes. It's probably most, not but not all. It's definitely not <laughs> all. And I've in I've known people who have fiat jobs and have bank accounts and stuff like that that just haven't filed for. They just never started, or they just been seven years and they haven't. And then like, you know, obviously there's a lot of risk behind that. Let's be super clear in a lot of cases, but like, it's kind of thing where all these wild degen trader people are going to be doing their own thing no matter what some will be just better with their security and it just at some point when you want to get into some like actual legit fund and then all of a sudden you have to hit that you're just like and so we're hitting this point just like uh, when we're having like okay all these chains competing over who can transmit tether the best and maybe a bitcoin representation the best same with jurisdictions coming up 
where the U.S. 50 state system and you know Mexico 50 or 32 state system and like you know all those met were meant to have like a competitive effect of you know okay we don't like this state go to this one kind of thing um, and it in practice it just didn't end up that way until recently where now remote work anyone can work from anywhere and then you can have like real like 100% real time knowledge almost of any other place in the entire country so you can just say like hey for just like a couple grand I'm just going to move and then there you go now now the practice of free selection is there so we have we're going to have that I'm sure with larger institutional traders and stuff they're going to be like this SEC thing is a nightmare I'm going to incorporate in El Salvador, Argentina, in you know Switzerland or wherever else you want to go. That's a lot, and then you're going to run that, and so the big money goes there. The not as big money can be anywhere because they're too. They are legally under the regulations, but they don't practically fall under them, and so that'll be kind of interesting to see because I don't think the SEC in particular, but also other regulatory bodies, but you know especially the SEC is going to have the bandwidth to chase down anywhere near the number of little guys, you know, but oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But the bigger ones are going to migrate out of the regulatory space of this jurisdiction of the U S and hopefully it hurts enough wallets that enough people start complaining to their senators and stuff. And those people start complaining and things change, but Decentralize all the things, right? Decentralize the, the global sure. financial monopoly. The, the the problem with what I think I see happening here, uh, mm-hmm. and is you what you what you said is absolutely correct. I'm not I'm not contradicting anything you said, but what the problem that I see is that it's a system that exists to preserve uh, a, a a status quo in so much that uh, they're writing themselves a blank check to. Uh, not so that they can apply the law uniformly, but whenever they see uh, a power, uh, like a, a power or accumulation of capital start to emerge in one of these emerging markets that wouldn't normally be easy for them to say we have legal jurisdiction over, they now have given themselves legal jurisdiction to uh, attack them. So as soon as they basically they're they're trying to mow the lawn here when it comes to emerging markets, and I think why why the uh, uh, where where the, where the the where the problematic part comes in is that the uh, they've they've proven over and over again that you can't jurisdiction hop. In, f- in fact, Janet Yellen in one of her recent uh, fist in the air rants uh, that she did on on a, at a press release was like Binance, CZ, and Justin Tron. These guys that have tried to to jurisdiction hop, as she said. Uh, are, are no longer going to be if they want to interact with uh, the the world of the United States, and they can't. And in that, they mean if you want to touch anybody that is two or three degrees separated from the United States, they're going to count that as American jurisdiction, whether or not you're there or not. Uh, if you if you monitor the DOJ press release RSS feed, which I which I do, uh, mm. because you can find some interesting cases in there and some interesting kind of uh, canaries in the coal mine you'll find that uh, they have a pretty good track record of coming after crypto-adjacent people in many places that are not America who have never even been to America, but because like somebody's second cousin was affected by 
something in the United States that was involved with whatever they were involved with, they're going to say, oh, well, it happened to an American. Uh, yeah, I know you're in, you know, Venezuela or Brazil or, you know, Liechtenstein or some other place that is in America, but we're still going to come after you. And they figure out some way to extradite them and, and get them in the United States to stand trial. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's unfortunate. And it doesn't mean like it, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Most people are going to be safe by using jurisdiction as a shelter. But mm -hmm. uh, if you get too big too fast, or if you fall under the eye of Sauron for any reason, it's not going to help you. Mm -hmm. And that's the real like push pull thing is uh, how much does the U.S. financial system, the regulatory apparatus, matter to the rest of the world? The answer throughout the second half of the 20th century and let's say the first quarter of the 21st century has been a lot. It matters more than almost anything, mm -hmm. but, but you know, it's with all like bricks thing rising and just other things like that. Eventually. And then Saudi Arabia is just like on fire with its crypto stuff and like, or not Saudi Arabia, um, Dubai and stuff. Yep. And so you have all that happening now, eventually just like, it's like the Bitcoin, not crypto thing. Now it's just like U.S. not rest of the world, but then eventually you start to get lopsided there. Where now it's just like people who the don't GDP care. of yeah. all the BRICS participant nations now exceeds the GDP of the United States. Yes. Now the BRICS GDP does probably does not exceed the U.S. plus the Western allies or whatever, like the NATO type. No, you know. not yet. Not yet, but the fact that it's it's there and then the U.S. allies can now, they could flip, right? They could either become independent, they could join BRICS, they could, you know, uh, kind of, the, there's a lot of ways that these individuals, they're, they're not the U.S., even though they're part of the cohort now. So they have, who knows where that shakes out. And then once you have that shift in certain directions, it doesn't take that much to shift where all of a sudden there's like the dominoes of like, I got to put all this bullshit over here for this much money. And then I have to do, you know, not nearly as much for a lot less money. And then as soon as the money gets to a certain tipping point, all of a sudden it's just like the dominoes fall where either mm -hmm. you jump ship or you go have a realistic conversation. Just say, look, Mr. World power person here, you know, I'm, I'm losing out being your friend. I want to, I still want to be your friend though. So can you do these five things for me and then make it easier? Can we just not, you know, can we not have this oppressive financial regime where, you know, all my like shitcoin flipper <laughs> companies that are under me are just terrified of going to prison and getting the CZ treatment, you know? And it's just like, mm -hmm. I think CZ clearly did some shady, sketchy kind of things, but I don't think he, I don't have the knowledge of this, but I don't think he did anything wrong. Like, I don't think he did anything, what I would call universally criminal, right? Well, I wouldn't. Let, let's, call be, let's be honest. Yeah. Everybody in crypto that's been in it for a period long, as long as CZ or Brian Armstrong or myself mm -hmm. have done some shady adjacent things, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, for a large chunk of Bitcoin's existence, the primary use case was for the dark web and for sex workers to, to stay alive, right? Mm -hmm. Which means you are adjacent to gray markets, dark markets, 
and you no money is clean, right? Brian Armstrong was an OTC dealer from Houston. You know, CZ comes out of that same world from his part of the world. So if you're in OTC, it does it as much. You can even say I'm going to try to stay completely clean. I am evidence. I'm living proof of that. I tried to run an honest business, deal with above board people, and just work off the boards. And people will slip through the cracks. You will have mm-hmm. done business with a criminal, whether you knew it or not. So absolutely, I believe that CZ has done some shady things, even if he had the best of intentions, because he's been in yeah. crypto long enough that that's, that's impossible for him not to. <laughs> I would say in his case, he probably had the most neutral of intentions. Right. He's yeah. Just do it. Just making money, doing business, <laughs> taking yeah. money wherever it will, you know? Uh, yeah. So the fact is like, maybe CZ did play too fast and loose just because of where crypto was at the time. But the modern version of CZ, you know, like Justin Sun, the weird stuff too. Like there's a bunch of these people that did some weird things, but like, you know, Duquan, obviously like that's not mm-hmm. good stuff at all. Like, you know, Terra Luna and all that. And, but when you have like the modern day version wanting to do something like you should not have like the tornado cash developers should not have to be in fear of going to prison. And I Absolutely. don't think that, I mean, I <laughs> like he, trying to get preached to the choir and, you know, all this stuff. Like, obviously, you have, you know, kind of show we're on right now. But, like, to be honest, like, there's a difference between Tornado Cash and Silk Road in that case where I also think they all should be out of prison. But when you create a, a marketplace for goods that a lot of which are illegal, there's a little bit more of an, a case to be like, wow, well, we don't like this guy versus just running a VC funded relative like legit like privacy protocol that's just out there and we can't touch and we have on the front end tried to make it tried to restrict access to certain you know sanctioned addresses and stuff even though the back-end contract still does whatever it if there's a jurisdiction where those people can't have to be scared like that's not competitive and i think that when you have a rising bricks or rest of the world or whatever there's going to be a pressure that just says, look, you can't be throwing the people like that. And the modern day CZ cannot be afraid for their, their legal safety. Maybe if they need right. to sign some new forms or pay a fine or something, that's one thing, but like the whole, you can't leave the country or you're in you, you, that. No, with that, that's a hard stop. Money will not go there. Money will keep going to Dubai. Like it's not going to go there as long as you do that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're starting to see that with a lot of the service. I mean, like, I can't think of a service that's launched that's got a centralized, like DAOs are one thing, but like there's a ton of services that have launched that are centralized that I'm sure you've seen it too. You're in New Hampshire where it's just like, hey, you just can't, you can't log on our site unless you use a VPN and lie about where you're from. Uh, the guy that runs PAX, used to run Paxful, uh, uh, Yusuf. Yeah. He's got this new thing called Nunes. And it's a great, uh, from what I, everything I've seen, it's a great OTC exchange, absolutely militaristic about not allowing Americans to join the service. Like you go to the website, no, it's N O O N E S dot com, I believe. You go to the website, try to log it should in. N O O U S, no U S. Should call it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like stay out. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I tried to, I tried to I say, Hey, Yusuf, I'd love to have you. I mean, if you ever come through Dallas, man, come hang out in the studio, we'll do a podcast. Together. I'm never coming to the United States ever again. Not going to happen. 
not doing anything with the United States. It's happening. It makes sense. Well, yeah. that's probably a good wrap-up point. Um, Shill o'clock. If you look at the time already, wow. Um, yep. What do you want? To, what do you got to shill on here? Uh, I am a big fan of the studio that I am. I'm currently in and working. Uh, I am enjoying working on the merge. So just check us out at YouTube.com/slash at the merge TV. Uh, and just follow me on Twitter where I will bloviate and talk about the type of stories that we've talked about today on a regular basis. I am at R-I-Z-Z-N there. Yeah, let me um, flip over the the um, screen to there. The Merge or the Monero. I mean, it, it's kind of funny because like the, the a lot of Monero services use almost the exact same M as the Merge. But <laughs> yeah, it's a cool show. I've I've... Usually it streams right when I'm scrambling to get this one ready, so I haven't watched a lot of it, but I've seen some of it, and it is, you know, it's quite well produced, which is nice. And then, um, yeah, on on X, which is how I first heard about you, of course, with posting on there on X. I mean, Twitter, whatever. I'm going to start calling X to be early adopter as usual. Uh, But at Risen, which is great that you have that, like, on lock, and there's a lot of (laughs) of actually Risen in other places, but... Right, yeah. Is what it is. All right, well, everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks, Mark, for being on. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Uh, Don't forget your phone is spying on you. Taxation is theft. And uh, start using crypto before it's too late. And, yeah, screw the SEC. How about that? Good way to end this. Bye-bye, guys.